Hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter three. It's a well-known verse. It's a well-known chapter uh, about trusting God. And that's what I wanna talk to you about for a few moments. It's a message that's been on my heart for a few weeks, and I wanna share it with you today. But before we jump into the message, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for this whole year, 2021. And we're grateful for all that you have said, all that you have done, all that you have revealed. We know that you are faithful. And God, I thank you for our church. I just pray for every family, every individual, that your blessing would rest on them in this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord, that as we look back, we don't just look back on the year, but we look back all the way to when Jesus was born into our world and what it means. And Father, I pray for your blessing. I pray, Father, that you would give us your heart. I pray that you would show us your way. I pray that, Lord, you would encourage us and strengthen us and help us to obey your word no matter what. And I thank you for this message as we talk about trust. I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to do just that, to trust you in every way, in every situation, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Now, many months ago, I was preaching a message uh, to you about discerning and dealing with fear. I knew because of what we were facing that fear is something that we've been grappling with and struggling with in some cases. And so I talked to you about that. And my goal was not to tell you that fear is bad, although it is, and that you shouldn't do it. And obviously we don't want to, but the goal of talking to you about discerning and dealing with fear was to talk about how fear has a polarity to it. Fear can be cowardice and it can be compulsion. But sometimes we think about fear as our unwillingness or hesitancy uh, or, in t or we are timid in a sense. We're hesitant or reluctant to do something where there's a cowardice to us. Like we should be more courageous. We're unwilling to take a step or a stand when we need to. But I noted that there's another side of fear and that is where we're compulsive. That because we're afraid, we want to control our reality. And because of that, there's sort of this false idea that we can do that if we just act. And so we try to, we try to act, we try to step out, we try to control ourselves, we try to or control other people, we try to control outcomes. And very often, those are things that we simply cannot do. And the reality is that we don't often turn to God when we're feeling those things. And we wanted to grow in our turning to God in the midst of feeling the fear. And that's what I talked to you about. And it was about another couple weeks after that where our youth pastor, Pastor Ryan Kim, talked about worry. He talked a little about, bit about worry, touched on anxiety, and how we don't need to worry because God has us. God knows the needs that we have. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the situation situations that we're in. And so we need to worship and not worry. And he talked about that. And that was a great word. And then it was back in November where Pastor, Pastor Randy Remington came to our church and he gave us such a wonderful message on the promise of peace. And I can remember sitting there listening to Pastor Randy talk. And as he was talking about the promise of peace, of God's shalom abiding on our lives, I realized that, that God as he works in our life, it is very cyclical. There are cycles of life. And I could sort of see it in my mind like a tripod. And it's interesting because I'm looking at a couple tripods right now and I didn't intend, I didn't know I was going to. But anyways, I see it like a tripod in that 
we often have these situations of life, they sort of flow into our life like a river. You know, we can't control them, they just flow. And when they do, there's this natural reaction to worry or to be fearful, but there's also this longing for God's peace, for God's shalom in the midst of that. And so I saw that this other peace or the bridge between our natural response and reaction, which is worry and fear typically, not all there is, but typical, and between God's peace, which is His promise. This is what God does. This is what in, in the natural or in the flesh we do. The bridge between the two was trusting God. And that's what I saw. I saw it was trusting God that causes us to receive his shalom, trusting God, leaning on him and leaning into him. And so this became a very, very important message as I begin to study the scriptures and think about, well, what does it mean, therefore, to trust God? If we need, if trust is the bridge between our natural reaction and response to life circumstances to receiving his promise that he gives so that we can act the way that he wants us to act and be the people that he wants us to be. How do we trust God? And what does trusting God actually mean? And I want to try to answer that to some degree. I know I won't be able to do all of that today, but I want to at least talk to you about this because as we look at the new year and we go into 2022, having no idea if things are going to get better, we have no idea if things are going to change or get worse. And some of us probably believe that things are going to get worse and the narratives that are out there and the fear that is very real and the despair as to whether or not things are not just going to go back to normal, but even have a sense of normal. Is that going to happen? I think no matter what happens, we as the people of God have to trust God. And that's why this is so vital that we talk about this as we move into the new year and as we look at the unfolding future and we recognize that God has this in his hands. The first thing, if I can, is talk to you for a few moments about what trusting God does not mean. Sometimes Jesus started his teaching by talking about what something wasn't. Matthew chapter six, that's what he does when he talks about prayer. He says, don't pray this way, right? Don't pray like the Pharisees or the pagans. And then he says, but when you pray, do this. So I wanna follow Jesus's teaching style in Matthew six by talking to you about what trusting God does not mean. And the first thing trusting God is not, is, is not believing that God will cause everything to go the way that we want it to. You know, sometimes when we say, you know, just trust the Lord, baked into that idea are thoughts like this. I know maybe as I'm talking about it, you wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm trusting God that everything will go the way I want it to, every, everything would go the way I prayed, but I think it's kind of baked in. And, and that's sort of what I think we can often think is, is really what it means to trust God. When you get into a situation, um, a person might tell you, you just need to trust the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but it sort of seems like trusting God is an afterthought. Like now we just need to trust the Lord or, well, there's nothing else we can do, but trust the Lord. I, I thought trusting God was literally the way we were supposed to live, right? I thought that that was what it was all about. But trusting God does not mean that everything should or will work out the way that we want it to. Now, I'm not downplaying the fact that we are praying God 
God's will, that we're seeking what we know that or what we think God is doing in our lives or in the, the lives of others around us. But we just have to acknowledge that sometimes as we contend for God to do things in our life or believe God for more, or as we sort of step into the future thinking that this is probably the way that it should go, there has to be a higher principle than just trusting God to have those outcomes realized. We have to trust Him no matter what. Yes, pray for the way that we think things should go, but trust no matter how they go, because situations sometimes are outside of the realm of our understanding. And God uses all these things, whether we like it or not, or whether it goes the way we want to or not. The Bible is quite clear, though, that when we look at Bibli- uh, when we look at the stories of heroes of the faith or people that the Bible brings up, things did not always go their way even against or different than the way that they prayed. Jesus, in fact, said in John 16, 33, the famous verse, he said, these things I've spoken to you, like he told us stuff in advance, so that in me, you may have peace. I wanted you to know what I was doing so that you would have peace when it wasn't going well. And he said, in the world, you're gonna have tribulation, the same word for trial, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Jesus said to the disciples, I've told you some stuff in advance because things aren't gonna go great for you all the time. But when that's the case that you understand, you can have courage and you know that I've overcome all of this. In a sense, he's sort of dropping the bomb that I've done something, I'm doing something that is eternal. I'm doing something that is greater and even transcendent. And so the higher principle of trusting God in it all and through it all means that things may not always go our way. And so trusting God cannot mean that we're just expecting for God to do what we prayed and what we said. Secondly, trusting God uh, cannot mean that we just believe that God will explain everything to us. Let's face it, some things in life simply they just don't end up the way that we understand. I mean, I don't understand what happened or why things happen in my life all the time. I don't understand why we go through some of the pain or the difficulty or why so-and-so did what they did, said what they said. I don't understand sometimes the way that that our country goes, our state goes, our school districts go, um, or even sometimes friends of mine, the things that they say and do. I don't understand everything. I don't know why we have some of the health issues that we do, financial issues that we do. Sometimes they make sense. We can take ownership. Sometimes it's clear that a person is responsible, but there are other things that are quite a conundrum for me. And I would tell you the the older that I get, the longer I walk with Jesus, the less I feel that I'm entitled to an answer for everything that I do not understand. And I'll tell you, that can be a little bit of a trap for us if we're not careful, is that we want to know why. Now, I'm not shaming you for wanting to know why. I want to know why. I mean, is there any kid that's ever been born that doesn't want to know why? I mean, there's a certain age that our children get to, and I bet you Christmas is a season where as we're together as families, the kids in your home are probably asking why on every single thing, right? You tell them something, why? You're in the car and you say you're going to do this, why? They want to know why. (laughs) You're like, don't you know anything? (laughs) They're always asking why because they want to know, right? We're all curious. We all want an answer. How much more when we go through difficult things and we don't understand what's going on and we look up and we say, God, why is this happening? Well, I've learned and so have you that seldom does God answer the why question this side of heaven. Sometimes he does, but a lot of times he doesn't. 
But there's this sense of like, I'm going to trust God in that God will explain to me why I'm going through this or what the purpose of this is. Sometimes we don't get that. And I just want to be honest about it with you. What I've learned though, is that we can trust God even when we don't understand. And that really is what that means, is that we put it in his hands, knowing that he's caring for us, he's watching over us, he has everything in his hands. And that's hard to do, it's easier said than done. I can remember in my life, there was a particular moment where this was very real to me. When Bridget and I were first married and we, we got pregnant a little sooner than we, than we thought we would. Um, and at that time, we uh, we were excited, you know. We we were expectant, um, you know. You you want to get through those first three months, and when you go through those three months, right? That's sort of the the period of time where you can actually have a miscarriage. One in four uh, pregnancies end in a miscarriage. I don't know if you knew that, but it's pretty common, unfortunately. And so you get past that three months, those twelve weeks, and you're sort of in the safe zone for the most part. I mean, things can still happen, and we were in that thirteen week. A period, and all of a sudden something started happening with Bridget, and we knew that it wasn't good. Well, long story short, we did end up at the hospital and we did end up losing the child. And it was hard for us, like it is for many of you who have gone through this. But I'll tell you this one thing you know is that we were praying a lot. I was praying for Bridget that entire night before we entered into the hospital. Bridget was praying, we were praying, we were holding hands, we were crying out to God. We didn't know what was happening, but we knew it wasn't good. As we prayed and sought God, we just believed, like all of you do, that God would heal, that God would uh, help, that God would have mercy. Um, No matter what the situation was, we didn't know exactly what we were facing. But after a long couple days, we lost that child. And I remember coming home and Bridget was just, super tired and and uh, emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. She went to bed. I went out in our living room where we were living at the time, and I was pretty upset. I was feeling defeated. I was feeling hurt. I was feeling pain. I was feeling pain for my wife because of what she was facing and going through, and she didn't really articulate. And so all of this sort of unexpressed emotion going on inside of my heart. And I remember saying this out loud, just as clear as day. I can remember it to this day. And I said, Lord, why didn't you spare the child? That just came out of my mouth, just, just as clear as day. And maybe three seconds go by and as clear as day, I heard in my heart and it felt audible, but it wasn't, but I heard the Lord speak to me as clear as I know he speaks. And he said, how do you know I didn't? And I remember him saying that to me and it stopped me. Like my emotions were put on pause. My mind was put on pause. My heart was put on pause. Everything just stopped. It was like time stopped. And I was overwhelmed with sort of the smallness of what it is that I know about life. God said to me, how do you know I didn't? Now, he did not answer my question of why. He did not give me an explanation. He never gave that explanation to my wife. But what God did do, and I shared this with Bridget after after she woke up the next day, is that he settled something in my heart that he is God and I can trust him no matter what I face. And that's what I took away from that experience. And it's remained with me ever since. God has not always answered my why. He will not always answer our why. 
And he doesn't owe it to me to do that. But what he does do is even greater. He is above it all. And that's why my highest and higher principle, no matter what it is that we're going through, is to trust the Lord. And it's what I'm encouraging you in as well. But it doesn't mean trusting God does not mean that he's going to explain everything to us. And also trusting God does not mean that we believe that all things that happen in our life are God's will, right? So we just sort of, there's this sort of fatalism is what you would call it. It's not scripture, but all things are determined, therefore inevitable in our life, whether that's pain or suffering or difficulty, that God not only allows it, but God actually is the one that caused it. He's the causation of all things. And that's a kind of theology that I don't believe because it is a fatalism of sorts. These, there are a lot of things that happen in life that are just the spider web of sin. Somebody sinned against me, I may have sinned, um, there's an anomaly of life. Uh, maybe there's a situation that I'll never understand this side of heaven. But this type of mindset to just believe God's the causation of everything, it's not healthy. And it's not what it means to trust God, that all things have a purpose uh, that God caused them to be. No, God uses all things. It doesn't mean that he authors all things. God doesn't waste anything but God didn't cause everything. And so it's very important that we can trust God in everything, but it doesn't mean that we trust God is everything. And that's an important piece of all of this, to know what trusting God isn't. But listen, what does it mean to trust God? How are we to understand this? We know that trusting God is essential and it's part of what the Bible teaches from beginning to end, and we can assume it. I can assume that you know what it means and you know what to do and, and that I do, but I'd rather not do that and rather not give that Christian quip of, hey, just trust the Lord. I want to go a little bit deeper and ask, how do we qualify uh, whether or not I am trusting the Lord? How do we not say that sort of as an afterthought, but how do we lean in as a normative experience, as a heart disposition of trusting God before a situation happens? What does it really mean? Well, I want to look real quickly at Proverbs 3 and verse 5 and 6, and here's what it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. The Hebrew word here for the word trust is spelled B-A-T-A-H, transliterated, but it's batach. I can't say it right because you really got to get that, that girth in there, that batach, batach. You should try that with your family on this Christmas day or post-Christmas. Now, this word is used in the Old Testament 118 times. Many of those uh, instances, it's used for us trusting God, but it is a word that's used in other ways. But primarily, it is, it is used to exhort or admonish uh, us to trust uh, the Lord. And here's what this word means. It means to be totally reliant on someone or something. It means to trust in and to be secure or confident. It means to be absolutely sure to put your confidence in something or someone. Well, this definition helps us understand the whole verse that we're reading or the two verses in Proverbs, where he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now look at that word, that term lean on, do not lean on your own understanding. This word is, it means to support, or it's talking about the support system underneath someone, sort of like a tripod. It's like that support for the camera. Don't lean on, don't allow yourself to rely upon what you understand, but trust on, which means to lean on the Lord, to lean on his understanding, to lean on his 
his vantage point, to lean on his work and not our own. When Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter three and really the other Proverbs, he was writing to his son and he was not writing this as sort of a reaction. He wasn't saying to his son, hey, when you get into a circumstance or when something in life happens, you know, then you should trust the Lord. He was actually teaching him before anything ever happens, trust the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. Don't live a life where you're leaning on the support system of just the way you see things, the way you know life, and the way you interpret whatever happens around you. He's saying, trust and lean on the Lord, have a, have a disposition. So it's very proactive and it's not reactive. In fact, when you look at a lot of the passages in the Bible about trust, that's exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about proactive. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't ever have a reaction in that we have to put our trust in the Lord. We certainly do, but there is a posture that we want to have prior to any type of reaction uh, whatsoever. We're leaning on the Lord for His Word and His ways and His truth, and of course, His unfolding will as we engage the future. For us, that's 2022. But what do we often trust in, right? We we can often trust in other things. I just have a short list of things that I think the Bible helps us understand that people have a tendency to trust other than God. And the first is we trust in riches or wealth or material things. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, he who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Now this type of trust in riches or wealth or material possessions, or even the sources that we have, the means by which God provides for us, we can trust in our job, our savings, our portfolio, our house price, the prices of houses, our accumulation of things. We can trust that we have enough, but we can also come into times where we have nothing. We can lose everything. We can lose the house value. We can lose our portfolio. Stocks can go down. We can lose our job. We can lose our savings account. It can get depleted in one season and we built it up in the previous one. All of that stuff can go away. And we realize that we have to be trusting God in those times. That's why the Bible says that God's our source. And so we trust the Lord for our needs. We cannot trust in riches or, or wealth. The Bible says at least 10 times not to do that and how destructive that it is. We can also, secondly, we can trust in ourselves. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Well, what does it mean to walk wisely? It means to walk in trusting the Lord. We could walk in a way where we're trusting our intelligence, our accomplishments, our ability, our smart sense, our own righteousness, perhaps. Like Luke chapter 18, the Pharisee trusted in his own righteousness and he stood before God proudly while the other person, the publican, was on his knees begging God for mercy. You know, it's not wise to trust in ourselves, right? And to trust in what we can do because all of us get to a place where we are helpless and we don't know what to do. Especially like if you've ever gone through a situation with your, with your child where your kid walks away or your kid has something going on. I remember when our kids were young and they would get sick and everything in a parent wants to take that sickness away from their child. But literally you're helpless. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you can comfort them, but you can't, you can't take that sickness and put it in your own body and give them health. All you can do is what? Pray. Well, what does it mean to pray for your child? It's to trust the Lord. I mean, certainly we wanna help them with whatever medical helps that we have available to us, but there's points, friends, where we have to trust God. I mean, and if we're already trusting God before we get into those situations, 
it will be our automatic response every time. Number three is we can often trust in the strength of a nation. Now, I encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 30 because this is where God through the prophet Isaiah warns Judah not to ally with Egypt and trust them for their strength for protection. God would often bring judgment to a nation and it was inevitable. And so instead of just hearing what God was saying and heeding what God was saying, what Israel would do is they would go and ally with another nation in order to protect from the ones that would come against them. God would allow Babylon or God would allow some other nation uh, to come against Israel. He took his hand of protection off them for a season because they didn't heed his word. And so in this particular passage in Isaiah 30, uh, Judah is warned not to ally with Egypt and to trust in their strength for protection, but that's exactly what they do. And here it is, we think that the governments or the governments of the world sometimes are gonna solve all of our problems. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we don't vote. It's important to vote. I'm not saying that we don't want right legislation. We should, and we will. But what I am saying is that at the end of the day, we still have to contend for God's will to co- his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to live in a broken system because we live in a broken world and we all have sin in our lives. And so if we trust in a nation, our nation, or just national leaders so that they're for them to solve all of our problems and for them to meet all of our needs and for them to do things for us, friend, I'll tell you what, if we trust in the strength of our alliance with just some national type of perspective, I'll tell you, it's not going to pan out the way that we want it to. We have to first trust in the Lord. Yes, we need to contend in the natural, but we need, or we need to steward the natural, but contend uh, for the supernatural. We need to believe God. We need to trust God. We need to have a higher principle because God is higher than all things. He truly actually is. Number four is we trust in idols, or we could say things. In Isaiah 42, the prophet rebukes the people for trusting in idols as gods rather than Yahweh, as though an idol of some kind will save or deliver or heal or bless or strengthen or give prosperity. The idols of today maybe are not wood or stone, but the fact is, is that we can put our hope, we can put our expectation, we can put Um, our future into the hands of all kinds of things, and that can become an idol to us. And number five, we can trust in people. I'm not saying we shouldn't trust people, but we can put our trust in people in a sense of, of totality, where it's not putting the Lord first, it's putting people first. We can do this in family. We can do this with friendships. We can do this in church relationships. Here's the fact, people are gonna let us down. You know that, I didn't have to say it, but people are going to let us down. And when they do, if we're not trusting in God, if our hope isn't absolutely in Him, then we will find out when a person fails us, when a person disappoints us, that if you take that person out of the way and then we literally walk another path, I have seen Christians do this, where a church lets them down, a leader lets them down, a spouse lets them down, and they end up walking away from God. Friends, that is a sign that our trust wasn't fully in God. And so it is in that circumstance that we trust people, but when people let us down, we have to trust in the Lord more than anyone and anything else. We can't walk away from God because somebody failed us. We can't walk away from God's 
faithful promises and truth because somebody failed us. No, we need to forgive that person. We need to ask God for healing and we need to put all of our trust and hope in him. That's, that's what we do. But it's so easy to fall into the trap of trusting other things. It's so easy to fall into a trap of thinking that something else is, is actually going to deliver us. It's so easy to fall into the trap of trusting in other things for the hope and well-being and deliverance and joy of our hearts, of our minds, of our circumstances. However, we have to learn that in the storms and the difficulties of life, even in the good times, that our trust has to be entirely fixed and focused on the God that we serve. So the question that you're asking and the answers that I'm hopefully going to be giving is how is it that we trust God? because we know that it's possible to trust God and live in a lean-in posture towards Him before life circumstances come. And I wanna give you just a few quick answers because scripture gives us a lot about this. But the first is we need to remind ourselves who God is and what God has done. First, who God is. We need to remember the character of God. Remind yourself, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. God is kind. God is merciful. God is patient. God is just. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and He knows what we need to do as we partner with Him. God knows what's going to happen in order for His will to be accomplished and what role that we play in that. God knows all this stuff. So, why would we not trust the one that literally knows what what tomorrow is and what tomorrow is supposed to be and how we fit into that puzzle. God knows what's going on. And here's the other thing is that God has a plan that's in motion and we all play a part in that. We all have a role in that. And so what we want to do is bring the most glory to God. And he's the one that's going to help us understand how it is that we do that. If it's not a month in advance, it's going to be day by day. And so we have to remind ourselves of his character. We also have to remind ourselves of the things that God has done in the past. Like for example, today we look we look back on a year and we say, God has done great things in our lives. Yeah, there's been some hard stuff, but I'll tell you, God has done great things in your life. He's done great things in my life. And we have to remind ourselves. This is something that the Lord did throughout the Old Testament with his people. He wanted them to have markers. He wanted them to have memories. He wanted them to build monuments to remember what he had done. Why? Because we forget. And so I believe the Lord would want us to remind ourselves of his goodness and his character, but to remind ourselves of his faithfulness and the things that he's done in our lives. As we do that, we'll see that God has delivered and God has healed and God has saved and he has provided and he has moved on our behalf. And as we partner with him, he continue to do the same thing. We also, if we're gonna trust the Lord, we need to respond to God in every circumstance. There is no way out of life circumstances. There's no way to live sort of a trouble-free, pain-free life. So we understand that, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's just the way that it is. And there's a passage though that I think speaks to this in sort of a unique way. And that's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 through 11. Let me read this to you. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now listen to this connection. Be of sober spirit, be on alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. 
Notice how Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon God for he cares for you. Another translation says, cast all your cares upon God. Now, anxiety and cares, the cares of this life are attached to the pain and the problems of life. What we do with this is vital. What we do with those things, how we process those painful moments is extremely important. What do we do? We cast all of those things on the one that we trust. We cast all those things on the one that knows what to do when we don't. We're not gonna lean on our own understanding. We're gonna lean on the Lord. So when we go through something, we don't turn away from God, but we respond to God. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but the second part of the verse is talking to, uh, talking to us about the enemy. So I would actually look at it like this. If we do not give our anxieties to God, if we do not cast our cares upon the Lord, he says, be of sober spirit, be on alert for your adversary, the devil prows, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Did you notice that that's connected to us not potentially casting our cares upon the Lord? So if we're trying to lean on our own understanding, if we're trying to respond to things in our own strength and our own wisdom, and we're not going to God and we're not giving these things to God, if we're not offing the baggage of our heart onto the Lord, then I'm telling you, like the devil is right around the corner to trick us, to seduce us, to lie to us, to tempt us. And he's going to use those worldly burdens against us. And that's the way that I actually read this. It's that the enemy is, he's in the bushes waiting and watching to see if we're allowing these things to weight us down. And that disappointment and that discouragement will come in because we're trusting in something else or we're trusting in someone else. But when we respond to the Lord, the one who cares for us, he takes that burden off of us. And then we're light and we're feeling that peace of God. But those who practice this simple trust in God will be established. Isn't that what it says? It says that he will confirm, he will strengthen, he will be the one that establishes us. Thank God, praise God. The third thing that I think helps us to trust the Lord is we remain close to Jesus every day. No matter how close we are to God, we're gonna have difficult days, we're gonna have curveballs. You know this, I know this. But the posture of leaning into Jesus before these things happen is vital. Jesus said it like this in John 14, one, he said, do not let your heart be troubled. And the Amplified, it says it this way, do not let your heart be troubled, afraid or cowardly, believe or confidently in God and trust in him, have faith, hold on to it, rely on it, lean into it, keep going in it, believe also in me. I love the Amplified Bible. It's just, it's just what we're talking about today. Jesus said these words to his disciples and he's preparing them for what's coming by telling them to trust him no matter what happens. And we read the story of the disciples and all the pain and the problems and the difficulty that they faced. Friends, these guys walk with Jesus. They're the ones that received his great commission. They're the ones that started the early church. They're the ones that cultivated the beginning of Christianity. And they also were the ones that faced some of the most dramatic, painful, difficult seasons of life as followers of Jesus. And he said this to them, don't let your heart be weighted down, afraid or cowardly, but believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith, rely, lean on him. Do not lean on anything else. Do not look to anything else, but lean on the Lord. See, if Jesus had to say that to his first disciples, then we need to hear it so much more. 
In the world that we're living in, we're getting pulled this way and pulled that way. There's so much going on. There's so, so many expectations that we have. Sometimes we have, we have entitlement in our lives. We think we deserve this or we're owed that or we're confused by that. But when we trust the Lord, when our trust is in God, we're not shaken. When our trust is in God, we're not moved. When our trust is in God, those difficult and painful experiences become places of growth in our lives. Not because we love all of that hard stuff, but because we give God all of that hard stuff and he won't waste it. Don't you love the fact that God doesn't waste anything when we give it to him? I love that about the Lord. Here's what we know. The longer that we stay close to Jesus and follow God, the longer that we do that, the more we know we can trust him. We can trust him. Listen, friends, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? We know he does. But most importantly, let's say it this way. He has our life in his hands. He has your family in his hands. He has our church in his hands. He has this city. He has this state. He has this region in his hands. God has this in his hands. We can trust him. In fact, we must. We must trust the Lord. So as we look back on 2021, let's thank God. But as we look forward on 2022, let's trust God. Amen. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. And I want to pray for us today that that's exactly what we do. Pray with me right now. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you've said. Thank you for giving us your word. Lord, thank you for showing us the way. And in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of even great times that we're, some of us are in, in either one of those categories, but I just pray no matter what we're facing, whether it's good or bad, whether it's easy or hard, I pray that we would trust you no matter what. We would trust in you and we would not trust in other things, lesser things. We would trust in you. And so today we profess our trust. We say to you, I trust you, Lord. And I trust you for this next year, whatever you want, Lord, may our, may our life uh, be an outflow of your will. Whatever you want to say, I pray we'd have ears to hear. Whatever you want us to do, I pray, Father, that we would be obedient. Give us the grace to follow you into all the places that you lead. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. I I praise God for our church. I'm so thankful to be your pastor. And I really look forward to us being together. Thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. I pray that you and your family have a great, great weekend. And let's, uh, let's go after Jesus and let's trust him. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.